What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA Show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Off the Pike, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of this episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome into Off the Pike. I'm Brian Barrett. Joining us now, now at the Herald, it is Doug Kai. Doug, first of all, man, congrats on the new gig. Brian, thanks a lot. It's been a, it's been a lot of fun working with Andrew Callahan. Good to be back on the beat, you know, around the guys every day. So it's it's actually been a, a pretty fun summer so far. And speaking of being back on the beat, you broke the news earlier this summer that DeAndre Hopkins was signing with the Tennessee Titans. So first of all, congrats on the scoop. But was it kind of bittersweet to report it because the Patriots were obviously in the market for DeAndre Hopkins and had him at the facility for two days? Was it kind of like, ah, you know, I got to report this, obviously, because this is a massive story, but it kind of stinks. It's not the Patriots. Yeah, it was it was kind of a funny situation, too, because at the time I was working for AZ Sports, which is, you know, located in Nashville. So certainly Mm -hmm. probably a, a big deal for them that I was able to break that story to, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and the Titans. But I was starting at the Herald the next day. So I think that you know, even the Herald was like, we couldn't have waited one more day for that, to break that story for us. But it was kind of a a parting gift uh, to A to Z Sports where I could uh, you know break the news that Hopkins was going to Nashville. That's crazy. That's that's wild. I didn't realize the timing was like that one more <laughs> yeah. day you're at the Herald. That's unbelievable. It was Sunday and I was starting on Monday at the Herald. So yeah, it couldn't, couldn't have been a weirder timing there. <laughs> that is wild. So, Doug, obviously, last night, like, we're preparing. Me, last night, I was thinking, okay, the main talking point is going to be Mac Jones. And unfortunately, we get the Isaiah Bolden situation. The Patriots released a statement this morning saying that he's going to travel back with the team. They've also canceled joint practices with the Titans. In a statement last Saturday night, or Saturday night, I should say, they also said that he had all feelings in his extremities. And then he tweeted this morning, appreciate the prayers, more excited to be back with the guys. Just a really, really scary moment last night. But this seems, in terms of the news you could have gotten after what we saw on the field Saturday night, like pretty much the best news you could possibly receive, that he's actually good enough, not only that he has movement in all extremities, but that he's able to go back with the team, and he's already tweeting this morning. Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially, you know, when they suspend a game like that, Obviously, you, your mind kind of goes to the worst there. But uh, even immediately on the Patriots broadcast, Bob Sosie and Scott Zolak had said that, you know, they had seen movement from Isaiah Bolden. And um, yeah, the Patriots obviously released a statement after the game that he did have movement in all extremities. This is one of those situations where I'm not sure if the DeMar Hamlin situation is still weighing on the league or weighing on Bill Belichick, Matt LaFleur, Matt, Matthew Slater, all these guys. Um, because I, I, I can't imagine that this would have happened even last summer, um, right. where obviously it's a preseason game. So you can do this as Matthew Slater said, after the game, this is not the AFC championship game. Records are not at stake. This game does not matter. So it's a fairly easy one to suspend with a serious injury late in the game, but still 
I have my doubts that this would have happened uh, a year ago. I agree with you. I don't think it would have happened a year ago. I think it is part of the DeMar Hamlin situation. And it's well said on Matthew Slater's behalf, like this is way more important than finishing out the rest of a preseason game. And you actually wrote last night that the headline was Bill Belichick's call suspending play among Matthew Slater's proudest moment with the Patriots. Slater said, quote from your article, this was one of the proudest moments I've had as a guy who's played for him for now 16 years to see what they did. There was no hesitation. I appreciate Coach LaFleur as well for standing with him on that. I think everybody acted swiftly. It was the right call in the situation. So it just goes to show you in terms of your point about the league, coaches are more cautious about this too, where you have to understand where your players are at at that particular point in time. And nobody on the Packers or the Patriots wanted to play football after that. So I give both Bill Belichick and Matt LaFleur a lot of credit here where they just said, no, no, let's just stop the game. No, absolutely. And I think that I'm not sure if these types of things were, you know, discussions between Bill Belichick and Matthew Matt LaFleur, but it must help as well that they were just able to get, you know, two days of joint practices in between the two teams. They'd already gotten a lot of work done. It was late in the game. I think there was like a little over 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter when they decided to spend suspend action. I think all of these elements together played into this decision. That's at least, you know, my read on the situation. And, you know, maybe if one or two of those things were a little bit different, if it was in the second quarter, or obviously if it wasn't a preseason game, this wouldn't have happened. But um, yeah, definitely a great move by Bill Belichick to act swiftly and honestly to even formulate the concept of suspending the game. Because once again, that might not have been something that would have been on a coach's mind a year or two ago that that would even be a possibility that, okay, let's just suspend this game, move on, you know, prepare for our third preseason game here. Yeah. And Doug, just in terms of the player, Isaiah Bolden, he's a kid that got out there relatively early last night. And yeah. you have the Jack Jones situation going on where we'll get into that in a second here, but four, three, three speed. How was his camp going? It was going pretty well. I mean, not perfect. I would say there were definitely times when Patriots quarterbacks early in training camp or we're targeting him pretty heavily. He's still a little bit inexperienced. Uh, went from Florida State to Jackson State. He was a transfer, uh, one of the Deion Sanders transfers. But he was moving in the right direction. He was moving in an upward trajectory where even in Green Bay, granted it was against second team quarterbacks, but he had a couple of pass breakups in joint practices. And you were really starting to see that that 6'2 height, that 200-pound weight, you know, 4'3 speed. He's as toolsy as any player on the team. Uh, just based on, on, you know, the height speed ratio and everything like that. Um, you know, he, he still gets beat. And we saw it in the game yesterday where there was a play down the sideline where um, he got beat by, it, it was it uh, Romeo Dobbs on that play? I can't yeah, it was it. Dobbs. Yeah, it was I think Dobbs. It was Dobbs yeah. It was initially ruled. Great throw, by the way, too. Like, that was pretty good coverage. That was a ridiculous throw by Jordan Love. Yeah, and Isaiah Bolden actually did rebound pretty well on that play, and that's where you really start to see that 4-3 speed and that length and everything like that uh, play into it. But he did allow a catch there. I think he allowed another catch later in the game. But overall, he's an ascending player, and hopefully that can continue now when he is healthy and and able to get back on the field, you know, uh, assuming that that is the situation. But, um, yeah, I mean... I think that usually with a seventh round pick, a cornerback, whatever it is, like you don't expect them to make an impact or make the team or whatever it is. But with his tools and with Bill Belichick's ability to find undrafted cornerbacks, late round cornerbacks, you basically have to take any cornerback on this team seriously. And Bolden was one who was kind of making his name known a little bit more in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, which brings me to Jack Jones, because obviously they don't know exactly what's going on there. The the court date got moved again, this time to September 15th, which obviously is after week one of the regular season. And obviously they're committed to the player, because if they weren't committed to Jack Jack Jones, he wouldn't be on the team anymore, right? If he wasn't good enough, he wouldn't be on the team, because you had issues when he came out of the draft. You had issues during the rehab process last year with the knee. And now we have this situation that's going on right now where you're waiting on these gun charges and to see what happens in terms of the legal system. So what's sort of your understanding on what the Patriots and the league are doing? Is this just sort of a wait and see mode for the Patriots in terms of how this legal process plays out? Yeah, I think it has to be right now because otherwise, I believe the NFL would have made a move already. I don't know if they would have waited. I think that they're kind of waiting on this legal situation to play out. That's at least the way that it it seems from my perception. And 
I, I don't know. It's it it definitely is an interesting situation for the Patriots. They've had him play a lot of snaps now, two weeks in a row. Uh, he played sixty six percent of snaps in last night's game, which is a lot for someone yeah. who might wind up, you know, who's probably going to wind up being a week one starter for the Patriots, assuming that, you know, nothing happens with a suspension or the legal situation or anything like that. Um, and he actually played quite a bit in the Patriots first preseason game as well. He played 56% of snaps in that game. So obviously you do want to get Jack Jones snaps just because he is a young player, but other players in his situation, like someone like Marcus Jones, I don't think he's played yet in the preseason. So it seems pretty obvious, pretty clear that the Patriots are giving Jack Jones quite a bit of snaps just in case something happens, you know, just in case, uh, you know, a, a suspension or illegal, whatever, whatever could occur. I think they want to get him as much work as possible right now. Yeah. And I don't blame them for that, because if he can play, then he's going to be the number two corner right on the other side of Christian Gonzalez. So I would be doing the same thing. So what's up with the Marcus Jones situation? Why is he just not getting any burn? I I've I've been uh, I've reached out about the situation. I, I haven't heard anything back yet at this point, but it's interesting. I thought that he was kind of a strange player to not get snaps in week one, just because the rest of the guys who didn't get snaps were either injured or were really, you know, very clear veterans or starters. I was like, wow, I didn't know that Marcus Jones had, you know, reached that status point on the Patriots. And then happened again last night when a lot of the Patriots starters were playing. So maybe they're just trying to be as cautious as possible with him, um, protect him at all costs because they, they'll need him as a punt returner. Um, might need him as a cornerback. Um, maybe they're trying to hide him, not trying to show everything that he can do. I will say about Marcus Jones that obviously he's got all the potential in the world as a punt returner, might already be one of the best in the NFL, a uh, really exciting offensive player. Patriots have been using him a lot at outside cornerback this mm. summer. And I mean, the guy is five foot eight. Like he's not going to get any taller and he's going to go up against wide receivers who are six foot four and six foot five. And you see that play out even in practice against Patriots receivers, against Packers receivers. Like he's being tested every day by Devontae Parker and sometimes Juju Smith Schuster and even like Kendrick Bourne is a guy who's six foot one. He he's really athletic. He jumps really high, but sometimes guys can just pick the ball off his head. So I would probably prefer to see him in the slot, but at yeah. the same time, he also has been burned by Demario Douglas on a few of these one-on-ones that we've seen during during uh, during a training camp. So I don't know. It might be kind of a, a work in progress to fit him into the best role on defense. And, and that plays into the concerns with Jack Jones, where, okay, if Jack Jones isn't available for any amount of time, then I guess you've got Christian Gonzalez at one outside spot, and then either Jonathan Jones or Marcus Jones at the other outside spot. Yeah. And then you're talking about either, you know, Miles Bryant, Marcus Jones, or, or Jack Jones in that slot position. So, you know, Obviously, the legal situation that Jack Jones is going through is very serious, but the Patriots also really need him on the field on yeah. defense. Yeah, it's a great point. And in terms of Marcus Jones getting beat by Demario Douglas, I'm not as concerned about that just because it <laughs> feels like he's going to beat up. He could beat Prime Revis right now or Prime Deion <laughs> right. Sanders with the camp that he's having. But it is kind of perplexing to me, as you mentioned, that he's been on the outside. I wonder if that is just sort of they're seeing what they have in case Jack Jones can't play because did they watch the Cincinnati game last year when he was like matched up no. against T Higgins? Like there's a lot of big receivers in the league. It just feels like to your point, his skill set, he profiles much better as a guy that would play in the inside. So obviously this is a concern that we'll be monitoring until September 15th when Jack Jones is due back in court. And even before that, if we get any update from that situation, but I wanted to get to Mac because first series, he hits Kendrick Bourne out of an RPO, Doug. This is something we were calling for all last year. Yep. Hit some beautiful pass by Mac. And then, Later on in that second series, he checked to the run that sprung Ramondre Stevenson, which you saw him change something at the line of scrimmage. Now, he did miss Hunter Henry up the seam. Eventually, he was sacked in that series. City so beat badly. But the third series, they drop a nice play action. I felt like Parker could have made a play on that. It felt like he almost like reached out too early. I thought that was a pretty yeah. nice ball. He had the nice throw where he's off, what, his back leg to pick up a first down. He finds Kendrick Bourne. Eventually, that series was cut short, too because yep. of a sack, but a couple of nice throws at the miss to Henry that I mentioned. But overall, I thought he looked pretty good. And from everybody with, that was down there, yourself included, said he had a really good week in terms of the joint practices. So what have you made a max performance, not only in that game last night, but during the joint practices as well? It really feels like there's some positive momentum with him right now. No, I completely agree. I think that 
you know, overall, it, it was a positive performance last night uh, in the preseason game. The, you know, the one that fans and everyone could actually see because, you know, joint practices are, are they're in Green Bay. Patriots fans can't see those the way that they could. They could uh, the rest of training camp when, you know, Mac Jones was maybe a little bit up and down. I think that overall it's been a, a solid summer for him, but it really seemed like he ascended a little bit during those joint practices on Thursday, where on Wednesday things were still a little bit up and down, uh, missed on a couple of the deep throws. Uh, pressure was still a little bit of an issue, a um, couple of near picks uh, on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, he just really lit it up. You know, people who were charting the the passing stats said that he was 14 of 17, only three incompletions. That's while he was still facing pressure. Um, and he had two long completions, one diving catch by Tyquan Thornton. And then the second one, probably the best throw he's had all of camp, 45 yarder to Devontae Parker in stride which is something that i've made a really big deal of over the last few days because i i swear all of camp i just keep waiting for him to hit a deep ball in stride like he's hit deep balls on jump balls to Devonte parker you know jump balls to other receivers but you just haven't seen him hit that wide receiver on a deep ball in stride the way that he showed over and over and over again in college at alabama when his receivers were obviously Jalen waddle and Devonte smith and he was finally doing it in those practices. So it was maybe a little bit of a disappointment that even last night on that Devonte Parker uh, play that they weren't able to connect. And I, I tend to agree with you. I thought that was a pretty good throw by Mac Jones. And it looked like Devonte Parker maybe slowed down a little bit, or like you said, reached out a little bit too early. Um, but honestly, like the pressure was still there. I thought that Mac Jones was maneuvering the pocket pretty well. Obviously he did take the sack on third and nine, but City Sal got beat pretty cleanly on that one. And then there was the um the strip sack uh in the in the ensuing drive. And once again, I mean, I, I honestly thought that was kind of a bad idea to keep Mac Jones out there when Andrew Stuber was his left guard yeah. and James Ferentz was his center. I was like, all right, guys, we're we're playing with fire a little bit right now. Um, and then obviously he got out of there after that. But so not a perfect performance uh last night, but I thought it was really encouraging from what we saw from him. Uh, and obviously the Patriots are hoping that that can continue now into this week. Yeah, well, and just seeing, and I know like these drives ended up getting rendered ineffective because of sacks outside of the first one, but just right. seeing, it feels like they actually know what they're doing, which is right. a huge, a huge difference from what we saw a year ago. And I'm excited to watch Mac. Like he's got, this is his opportunity now. Like we would have liked to see them get a number one receiver for him, but he has a pretty good receiving core. He's got some weapons in terms of a Hunter Henry. We'll see when Gusecki gets back. And all that, but he's got a good offensive coordinator. Like this is his opportunity to prove that he should be the Patriots quarterback for the next ten years or so, because they're going to have to make a decision on whether or not to pick up that fifth year option. So speaking of the receivers, it, like I mentioned, it's a really interesting group. Mm -hmm. But Tyquan Thornton goes down again, and it just feels like Doug any positive momentum he gets whatsoever in his career. And I know he wasn't having a great camp, and then he had that flashy catch that we saw in the first preseason game. Same thing happened last year, where he had an outstanding catch in a preseason game. Then he gets injured. He has the one game against the Browns where he gets it on an end around. He goes in to the end zone. But it, it just really feels like when you look at this receiving group, not that they have that star, but he's down on the pecking order right now, right? And as a second-year guy, and I know right now, unfortunately, he's injured, but this is now becoming a theme of his career. Mm -hmm. As a second-year guy, he should be almost, really, he should be featured in this offense at this particular point in time. But clearly, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case based on what's happened with him in training camp. Yeah, heading into training camp, I would have said that, you know, there's there's four roles that are basically guaranteed as starters in the Patriots offense as far as the skill position players go. And that's Ramondre Stevenson at running back, Devontae Parker and Juju Smith-Schuster at wide receiver and Hunter Henry at tight end. And then heading into the summer, I would have said that, you know, that that fifth spot would be some sort of rotation between Mike Gesicki, Kendrick Bourne and Tyquan Thornton. I'm I'm like basically removing Tyquan Thornton from that mix at this point. And I, I have inserted wow. Demario Douglas into it just because of some of the the wide receiver pecking orders that you see in practice, who these guys are working with, when they come into into practice. I think that last week was Tyquan Thornton's first catch in eleven on eleven drills with Mac Jones. So that just goes to show you right Whoa. there. Whoa. The whole camp? <laughs> All camp. <laughs> And oh like, my God. Like Keishon Booty had one before him. Demario Douglas has had a few before him. So I basically, from what I've heard, like the Patriots just feel like he still has a lot to prove that they're not just going to hand this second round pick from last year 
continued starting snaps if he's missing time and you know if he's being ineffective and all these types of things and I wouldn't say he's had a, an ineffective camp. He just really hasn't flashed, hasn't stood out the way that the other Patriots wide receivers have, and that's caused him to fall down a little bit. And for a guy like Demario Douglas, who has stood out as a rookie, to rise up those spots a little bit. Um, and yeah, it's just unfortunate right now with Tyquan Thornton, not totally sure what the injury is for Ty- for him. Um, uh, my buddy Andrew Callahan, uh, fellow you know Boston Herald uh, Patriots beat reporter, said that there could have possibly been signs that he had suffered a concussion in one of those joint oh. practices with the Packers. Um, I'm not sure. I, I, I didn't watch the play there, but I just want to kind of caution like, oh, this guy's injury prone, whatever it is. Like, obviously, a concussion falls into a different category. Right. But he did miss time during the spring with an injury. He missed time this summer uh, with something that was going on. Obviously, he missed a lot of time last year as well. So usually, uh, I mean, obviously, you still put a concussion in that other category but that doesn't mean that he hasn't had those injury issues in the past and you would like to see him stay healthy moving forward here yeah i mean he's gonna mix in some carbs or something he's just (laughs) way too skinny and callahan and i were talking about this last week doug george pickens looks like he's gonna be an absolute stud and you're thinking to yourself that guy was there for the patriots to take it unfortunately he ends up going to the steelers and Everybody that goes to the Steelers as a receiver, it seems like they end up being good. So right away, you knew, okay, this was doomed for Tyquan Thornton. But I do want to get to a couple of other guys. So we saw a lot of Kendrick Bourne early in that game on Saturday night. Mm -hmm. He, by the way, had a great block to free up Ramondre. Like, that was a nice block by Kendrick Bourne. I didn't know that he had that in him. And I know he put on some weight in the offseason after the game. He's saying this is the best shape he's been in in his entire NFL career. So maybe after a frustrating start to camp, he's starting to come on a little bit, right? I mean, I go back Mm -hmm. to 2021. I, I still, I'm like the president of the fan club of Kendrick Bourne. 135.1 rating when he was targeted. That was the third best among receivers. The yak per reception was six, right behind Jamar Chase. So we know he was in the doghouse last year. And this offseason I mentioned, we saw the videos all over the place. Like he wanted some attention for what he was doing in terms of his offseason workouts. I know a lot of guys do that, but there was this one random one where he's just like doing pull-ups. It, it looked like he was like in the middle of a place where people were walking. He's just doing pull-ups. <laughs> so do you think now are, are we going to see a defined role for Kendrick Bourne? Like, is it going to be in between 21 and 22? Is it going to be more similar to 2021? Could it be bigger than 2021 or do you think it's somewhere in between 2021 and 2022 sorry that's a lot of 2020s i just threw at you (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i might say like 2021 and a half something like that here where like he had he just had so he had what 800 something receiving yards that season and that wasn't on that much more playing time surprisingly than he got last year it was only really like 10 percent more playing time something like that so he was just used so heavily i think the patriots have added more receiving options maybe since then where now you do get obviously Juju Smith-Schuster is going to have to get his targets uh Devontae Parker is going to have to get his targets and Demario Douglas and Hunter Henry you might see like there's just a lot of mouths to feed in this offense even though like you said they don't necessarily have that number one but they do have a lot of starting caliber players in this offense so not sure if I see him getting 800 yards this season but it certainly looks like he's, you know, back in the good graces of the of the offensive brain trust on this Patriots team. He always seems really positive. He's really happy. Uh, seems like he's really content with the work they did this offseason. He looks huge. Like he he looks really, you know, yeah. bulked up this offseason. Um, he's playing really well in the last few weeks. There was one practice uh, last week or two weeks ago. Where he had a couple of drops and I was like, oh God, like, it, you know, given what he's gone through in the last year and, you know, the, the down season that he had, it was just kind of disappointing to see that. But then he bounced back with like five catches the next day. He's He's been one of the receiving leaders in practice for the Patriots. And then obviously had a good game last night as well with three catches for 34 yards. One of those off the RPO, uh, the other one, the, the kind of back foot throw by Mac Jones, where Kendrick Bourne's really fighting for the ball, like fighting off contested defensive backs. Uh, for that catch. So I think that that's where you start to see that strength and size come into play because I think you kind of look at, you think of Kendrick Bourne as being this kind of shiftier slot type guy, uh, just because that's kind of how he's been used. He was on the slimmer side when he was really thriving in 2021. If that added weight allows him to start winning more of those contested plays as well, then that really adds to his his skill arsenal there. So 
I have high hopes for Kendrick Bourne. I'm just not quite sure he gets to that, you know, 800 yards that he had a couple of years ago just because of all the other players in this offense. Yeah, and maybe he should put Tyquan Thornton on his workout plan set <laughs> slash diet. That could certainly help help Tyquan Thornton based on because as you mentioned, he is a naturally lean guy. And you yeah. can tell like the body composition looks different for him. Like he looks pretty big out there. And I know this is something you can't really measure with numbers or anything along those lines. Mm -hmm. But when he's playing well, there's like an energy that the team feeds off. Like oh, yeah. he likes to celebrate. And I'm not saying that's bad. I like it. And you see him before the game. He's interactive with everybody. So I hope they find a role for him because I think he really had a positive impact on this team in 2021. All right. So I got to get to Pop Douglas here because... I saw Callahan tweeted last night that he's a made man, meaning that like the coaching staff is hiding him right now. He did have the two receptions in limited time. Like he didn't waste any time. He got out there, had a couple of catches. Okay. And then Kayshawn Booty, you mentioned earlier, he's the guy that had the reputation as the five-star kid who went to LSU. He set the record for the SEC and for the most yards in a game, like ridiculous numbers there. He had a really good start to his career. Then he had injuries. He had some off the field stuff as well, but it does feel like and he took that slant to the house last night, mm -hmm. which was nice to see. It's like, oh, this is why this guy was a five-star guy. But obviously, it feels like they have a planned role for Demario Douglas. What about Booty? Like, is he going to be involved at all this year? Or do you think that he's going to be sort of on the back burner and maybe we see him in 2024? I could see the latter. I, like, I would lean towards the latter there, where maybe he's not quite as ready as Demario Douglas to make an impact right away. Because I think that Demario Douglas is an easier player to find, you know, a kind of a, a smaller defined role for where like, okay, you throw yeah. him into, into snaps in the slot. You allow him to take some, some of those like little pop passes or, or jet sweeps. There's like, there's ways to work that shifty undersized slot receiver into your offense a little bit easier. I think on a limit in a limited role than maybe Keishon Booty who does his best work outside. So unless there's injuries, I would probably expect Douglas to play a bigger role than Keishon Booty this season. But I'm at the point where as long as nothing happens between now and the in you know roster cutdown date, which is a little over a week away, I think that you almost have to sash Keishon Booty on your roster one way or the other. And maybe you move some veteran players around. You do one of those like cut a guy and bring him back the next day so you can fit guys on IR, whatever it would take. Um, I think that you know you you want to get him on the roster at this point because I don't think you want to lose him. And there is still some risk there involved where you know, off-field concerns had him falling in the draft. There was, you know, the the bad combine. He had the injury last year, but he's not the biggest guy, not the fastest guy. But I tweeted this last night. Like he just knows how to play wide receiver. Like when he's on the field, he just yeah. makes catches. He makes plays. He makes these things look easy. And I don't love this comparison just because I haven't seen the the tools from him that you've seen from uh from, like the player I'm going to mention, but like. Antonio Brown was a guy who was five foot 11 and ran like a four, five, seven, 40 yard dash, something like that. But when he's on the field, he's out there making plays. I think Antonio Brown obviously is a lot quicker than Keishon Booty, but sometimes these guys just don't work out that well, but they just know how to play the position. And, and that's how I kind of look at Keishon Booty. I have no idea what's going to happen with his career, but just some of those catches I've seen him make those plays I've seen him make in practice in last night's game it's enough where you want to keep him around. And I will say that, you know, the safety's path on that slant, maybe not the best, but yeah. <laughs> Keishon Booty like makes a nice catch. And, like that wasn't an easy catch for him to make. He caught it away from his body and then just accelerates right away into the end zone. So really positive performance there from him. And then obviously Demario Douglas has been kind of the, the star of camp as well. And it, it's funny that you mentioned that, you know, maybe they're trying to hide him. Like, like Callahan was saying, like, he's too good to be hidden. He's immediately out there making, <laughs> like, he's got, he's played four, five snaps. and He's got two catches already. Like last night he played three snaps and he had two catches. So yeah, I, I, I don't know exactly what his role is going to be this season, but I do expect big things from him. Yeah, I'm interested to see how this pans out, too, with Douglas, because obviously he's taken training camp by storm. So it's nice to see that, hey, if Tyquan Thornton doesn't work out, at least you have some other young, promising receiving guys on this team and Demario Pop Douglas and Kayshawn Booty, which would obviously be massive for this team going forward. If they have some young guys where they're under team control, where you don't have to go out and pay a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster in the next couple of years again, because, hey, we're developing some of these guys, which obviously has been an issue for the Patriots. I mean, When's the last time they really developed an in-house receiver? I guess it would be Malcolm Mitchell, right? Uh, Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers had a really nice career right. here, but they decided that, hey, he 
we needed to upgrade over that, right? It was like, okay, well, he doesn't have the after-the-catch potential that a guy like Juju has. So if they could just get somebody to a second contract, right, right. that would be huge for this organization moving forward. All right, so Devontae Parker, last three years, he's last in next-gen stat about separation, okay? So we all know this. He doesn't separate. But then you go to last season, and you look at 17.4 yards per reception. Mm -hmm. That was the third highest in the NFL, from 19 to 2021, he had the most contest, uh, contested catches, rather, in the entire NFL. And I know you and Callahan did a pod this week where you were talking about he may have been the star of the practices with the Green Bay Packers. So from my perspective, like when they first got him, I wasn't super excited about Devontae Parker. I thought he had flashes last year in some games, like he had some massive games. And then there was games where he just wasn't there. But it does kind of feel like he's going to be one of these guys where it's not going to be four catches for 30-something yards in a game, right? If he is involved in a game, it's going to be like four for 98, right? Or <laughs> five for 105. So it's just, I guess it's going to be a matchup-dependent thing to see when he flashes. But obviously, he's the X on this team, and they're expecting big things from him. They felt good enough about the player to give him an extension. So how do you think his 2023 will compare to his 2022? I would actually expect it to be <clears throat> somewhat similar, where... Yeah, you don't see him catching five or six passes in a game. He's not going to be like the the five catches for 40 yards or for 60 yards or whatever it is. Like he averaged almost 18 yards per catch last year Crazy. for a reason. Like it, like <laughs> that's he's a big play threat and that's what we've seen so far from him in camp is that like he's just uh he he caught the long pass from Mac Jones on Thursday. He's had a ton of plays where he's just like ripping the ball away from defenders you wish obviously that he might be a tick faster but he has this really unique skill set where he's just this big strong physical wide receiver who's like a power forward out there and can out muscle bigger cornerbacks as well like he's out muscled i know these are rookies but we mentioned isaiah bolden earlier he's a big cornerback that Devonte parker is able to out muscle uh, christian gonzalez a big cornerback that he's able to out muscle uh was able to beat Razul douglas on, on on the catch on thursday and Razul douglas is a experienced good cornerback in this in the nfl so i i don't know parker's an interesting player i, I was i mentioned this on callahan's podcast but i was talking to a packers reporter at practice and, and they were asking how juju smith schuster had done in practice i was like you know what? He, he catches a lot of short passes, like not a lot of flashy plays. It's interesting to compare him to Devontae Parker because Devontae Parker stands out more because he's able to make those huge wow plays. And maybe it doesn't happen every time you throw the ball to him, but it's worth it for even if it's 52% of the time that he's catching those plays because they are such long, deep passes. Well, and to your point about Juju Smith-Schuster, now with as you mentioned, Parker's had a good camp. Pop mm -hmm. Douglas has had a good camp. And Kendrick Bourne is starting to come on as of late. I think that Hunter Henry is going to be back to what we saw two years ago rather than the guy we saw last year, which really wasn't even his fault. It was more about the scheme, like the fact that he wasn't involved in the red zone. It was complete malpractice from Matt Patricia's perspective. But do you think this is going to be a situation where Juju is like run away the number one guy in receptions and yards for this team? Because that was sort of when they signed him, I'm not saying that was just the Patriots expectation, but it was kind of mine. If you're signing this guy to this money and not that it's a massive deal, but you're signing him essentially to be your number one receiver, even if it isn't traditional number one receiver money. But do you think he's going to be runaway the number one receiver on this team? Or do you think it could be you have three guys close? I think you could have three guys close. You could have three or four guys close. I mean, the, I, I don't that's not necessarily what I've seen from camp where like he's the runaway target favorite of Mac Jones out there because there have been practices where Kendrick Bourne is Mac Jones' favorite target. There have been player plays uh, practices where Hunter Henry, Devontae Parker. And I don't know, like I, I don't want to discount this whole Demario Douglas thing because I, I've I've talked about this a little bit in the past, but heading into the summer, like midway through July, I was talking to someone within the organization just about like what the roles on this team would look like. Because to me, I saw Juju Smith-Schuster as a guy who could play inside or outside. I thought that Mike Kosicki might be a guy who could only really play in line. Then you've got Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne as those outside guys. I essentially just wanted to know, like, what, what's Juju Smith-Schuster going to be in this offense? person told me that he had 
inside outside flexibility in that order which means that Hmm. preferably you'd probably want to be inside but he can play outside for you and that's kind of what you've seen from him throughout his career where last year he played a lot outside for the chiefs had a good season early in his career one of his best years he played a ton inside for the steelers but i'll get to my point now what this person was saying was that like yeah he would probably be the slot receiver unless demario demario douglas like can show the team enough that he can play right away from the slot and this Whoa. was before we saw everything <laughs> from DeMario Douglas in the summer. And like that comment, like kind of blew my mind a little bit where I was like, wait, you're, you're entertaining the possibility even before training camp that DeMario yeah. Douglas could be a guy who could be ready to play significant slot snaps as a rookie. So the team had high hopes for DeMario Douglas, even entering the summer. And now we've seen everything that we've seen. They're hiding him during these preseason games. Like, I'm not fully discounting the possibility that we could be going into week one with Demario Douglas as the starting slot wide receiver. That is not what we have seen in practice. I really want to stress that, that in practice, the top three wide receivers have been Juju Smith-Schuster, Kendrick Bourne, and, and Devontae Parker. But I just, I, it's not out of the realm of possibility. That's great. That's an awesome nugget too. You must have been like, wait, what? Like, yeah, hold on. Oh, the, guy, 100%. The, the guy that you just paid all this money to, this kid that you, this kid, Demario Douglas, that none of us had ever heard of prior to the draft. This is the guy. And I know they loved him, right? What was it? What right. was the game they coached? Was it the the East West Shrine yeah, game or something? That's game. what they coached. And that's where they, they kind of saw him there. So maybe that, but yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. Hey, this guy we just drafted in the sixth round. Hey, if he works out, then maybe we'll play more juju on the outside, which is right. crazy. But now it seems like, hey, that's actually a possibility. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. And I'm looking at a couple of NFL futures. That Jacksonville Jaguars team won the division last year. Not a lot of competition in that division. I believe they win the division and Lawrence has another really good season. So I like Trevor Lawrence plus 1600 to win the MVP. It's just really good value. We've seen a lot of young quarterbacks win in recent history. So I like Trevor Lawrence there at plus 1600. And another one I'm looking at is if the Patriots have a top five defense in the league, A large portion of that is going to be because of Matthew Judon, who's turned out to be one of the best pass rushers in the league since he came to the Patriots. Judon is plus 5,000 for Defensive Player of the Year. It's just really good value there. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Pike and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL, must be 21 plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick... From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. I mentioned earlier, Mac got sacked a couple of times in the game on Saturday. And you mentioned Trent Brown after he left. Mac should have probably been out of the game. Right. But City Sal gave up a sack and they pushed Riley Reef inside to guard And this has been a question all camp, right? This offensive line. He was in Chicago last year. Terrible offensive line. And if you go back to 2021, he was part of that Bengals offensive line. After they made the Super Bowl, they decided everything's got to change. They basically swapped (laughs) out the entirety of their offensive line to try to help protect Joe Burrow. So he's been playing for some bad teams, bad offensive lines. And then you look at, in terms of City South, I know he's an athletic guy, 90th percentile in the 40, 21st in the vert. 
he's a big guy too in terms of the weight, maybe not so much the height. So what's going on there? Is this that Reef has been that bad that they want to try somebody else at tackle? Or is it Sal has been that good? They want to give him an opportunity at tackle? Or is it, hey, this is not a great offensive line situation right now. We got to try to find something that sticks. To me, my re- my first instinct is that Riley Reef has played so much tackle in his career that the Patriots just might not necessarily need to see him at right mm. tackle. And they just want to put their current best five on the field, whether that's in preseason, joint practices, training camp, whatever that is. And right now, that just happens to be Trent Brown at left tackle, Antonio, Antonio Moffey at left guard, David Andrews at center, Riley Reef at right guard, and City Sow at right tackle. Um, and that really shifted after last preseason game because you saw Connor McDermott heavily involved. You did see Riley Reef at tackle. City Sow was still a backup at that point. I'm curious to see what they do now to adjust. And I'm really curious to see, obviously, what happens when Cole Strange and Michael Wenu come back, because I think that that would shift Reef back out to tackle, especially okay. after what we saw last night from City Sow. I don't think that he's necessarily ready right now to be a starter. I think that he's got the highest potential out of any of those potential right tackles on the team that would include, you know, Reef and Connor McDermott, Calvin Anderson, if he can come back from the non-football illness list. But I, I don't know. I just, I, I think it's too much of a risk to put him out there right away when he's been playing guard for the last four seasons. And I mean, uh, it, some things that the Patriots do are just sort of confounding. And I, I know I know why they're doing this with the offensive line, but like if you told someone that in the second preseason game, when Mac Jones is at quarterback, the Patriots are going to use a 12 year NFL veteran or whatever Riley Reef is, who has never played guard at guard. And they're going to use a rookie who has not played tackle for the last four years at tackle. You'd be like, that doesn't make any sense. Why are they doing that? The reasoning is because they want to develop city. Sal as a tackle Probably they they know what they've seen from Ali Reef, but like logic wouldn't indicate that you would just move Sal back to guard and put yeah. Reef a tackle. But this is a preseason; they're experimenting with things, and I do still think that Reef is a starting right tackle. Uh, but I've just got my ears perked up about it because it, it is odd that Reef is playing so much guard right now. Yeah, <laughs> it is crazy. Some of the stuff that the Patriots do, man, ne- never surprised. It in some sense, it's like shocking to hear that, but in the same sense, it's like okay. Oh, this guy that didn't play tackle in college, played more guard in college. We're going to push him on the outside. And the guy that's been a tackle for his entire NFL career, let's make him guard. It's just that feels like one of the most Patriots things okay. ever. So what's the latest with on on when you is that tracking in the right direction here? Because obviously, I mean, he's been their most solid lineman really over the past couple of years. I mean, anytime he plays, mm-hmm. he plays well, it feels like. Yeah, he's one of those few players on the team that actually has like all pro talent or has shown all pro talent in, in the NFL. Uh, a few weeks ago, I reached out, asked about the offensive line situation, asked if all those guys would be ready for week one. And at that point, I heard that Owenu would be close. So okay. um, that that to me meant they have confidence that Cole Strange will be back. Um, Trent Brown has already come back. And then Owenu kind of uh, not uncertain whether he would be ready uh, for week one or not. Hopefully that's the case. Hopefully he is there. I looked at it as a slightly positive sign that he was in Green Bay with the team this week. Uh, he was on the sideline in practice, on the, on the bench during the game. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's a guarantee that he's in there, but obviously that would be huge if you could get Cole Strange back at left guard, Michael Wenu back at right guard, and then you just kind of figure out what what works at right tackle with those four other spots. But um, you know, while we're just talking offensive line, I know offensive line isn't the sexiest conversation, but the Cole Strange thing concerns me a little bit. Because uh, I've mentioned this a few times, like he wasn't great last season and you can't just count on him being better in year two when he's now missed almost all of training camp with a new offensive line coach, with a new offensive coordinator. Um, Obviously, if he's healthy, he's your week one starting left guard, but I would have really liked to have seen him be healthy for the last three or four weeks to actually get that work so that he can improve because it's not a it's not a foregone conclusion that he's going to be a much better player than he was last season. It's a great point because you're right. I mean, he played all those snaps last year, but there were a lot of games where he didn't play well. And if you look at some of the grading entities out there, he didn't grade out well as a rookie right. either, right? So it's definitely a concern to see if he's not good in year two, then you got another problem on this offensive right. line where it just feels like 
they continue to like sort of try to patch this thing up and hope that it works. We'll see if it does. But so far, I mean, to everybody that's down there, yourself included, the offensive line has been an issue and it was certainly an issue in the game on Saturday. And it was an issue. And I know it was all second teamers last week, but in the first preseason game, it was an issue too. So it's not like you have a ton of depth there either. So I want to get to Zeke because I mean, really the only action we saw him in last night was he was breaking up the little scuffle before the game. That's right. pretty much all we saw him. He did have the 15 on. So I went through a bunch of stuff on Zeke the other day in terms of why I like the signing, but this Patriots line, obviously that's going to be an issue. We'll see. I mean, Obviously, we know Ramondre can create a little bit more at this point than right. Zeke can on his own terms. That's how Ramondre was so good last year. But when you look at the Patriots, I was thinking about this in terms of the Zeke signing, because usually we think about running back tandems as like thunder and lightning, right? Like even this mm-hmm. team we saw last night, it's A.J. Yep. Dillon, the big bruiser, and then you have Aaron Jones. But when I look, I see these guys, they're similar in terms of skill set. Obviously, Ramondre is way better than Zeke at this point. But the whole idea of having this, the Patriots have always had this third down back, right? Mm-hmm. The James Whites, the Shane Vreens, et cetera, going back throughout the history of the Bill Belichick era here. But I do wonder, like, okay, Zeke can do more stuff on first and second down. And you look at Ramondre last year, he was really good as a receiver, right? He had 69 receptions. That was fourth mm-hmm. among running backs behind Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, and Leonard Fournette. So I do wonder with the guys behind Zeke, the Kevin Harris's of the world, et cetera, if maybe this frees up Ramondre to play even more on third down, because what we saw last year, as great as Ramondre was, he did sort of wear down at the end of the season. So I do think that, do you think that this means having Zeke that now Ramondre will just be the third down back because of what he can do in the passing game? Like, obviously I, he's going to be the the main back, but right. he'll be on, he'll be out there on third down most of the time. I, it's a possibility. My, I think, I think you'll probably see more of a rotation uh, with, okay. with Stevenson and Zeke. At least that's where, where my mind immediately goes. And I did hear that, uh, or I was told by a couple of people that they believe that Zeke can do a lot of the same things that Stevenson can do. And that, you know, maybe those guys are used in similar manners where okay. they can play on all three downs. And, you know, Bill O'Brien called Ezekiel Elliott a, a three down back earlier. So I my mind goes to where like, I don't know how the split is, whether it's, you know, Stevenson getting two drives or Elliot's one drive or three drives for Elliot's two or whatever it would be. But I think that that's probably the way that you see them used um, just because, you know, Ezekiel Elliott is good on third down as well. One of his biggest strengths, you know, at this point of his career, maybe not biggest strengths, but one of his strengths is is blitz pickup and, and blocking. And obviously everyone, everyone kind of has known about that throughout his career. But uh, Ramondre Stevenson really developed in that area last year as well. So I think ultimately this is done to keep Stevenson fresh. Um, I do think that, you know, one one positive as well from last night's game was that Stevenson was able to score on that one-yard touchdown last night. Um, you know, I think that he proved that he can be uh, a really effective short yardage back. He was an interesting player coming out of college, and obviously he's developed quite a bit since then, but he was like, he was like shaped like LeGarrette Blunt at Oklahoma, but he's actually better as a pass catcher and in space than he was as a as a short yardage back. I think that he's really developed pretty well as a short yardage back in the NFL so far. But yeah, this is just a really interesting tandem for the Patriots that we haven't necessarily seen a lot of throughout Bill Belichick's coaching career to have two of these similar backs. Because like you said, it's usually you know Kevin Falk, James White, Shane Vereen, those types of players. There was a couple of years where it was like, Lawrence Maroney and Sammy Morris, but even those guys were kind of different players. Whereas Stevenson and Elliott are have pretty similar skill sets. When you know from a from an outside view or from kind of a um, you know yeah, they they are both big backs who can run between the tackles, catch out of the backfield, and pick up blitzes. And, and like usually, the Patriots don't have those those two similar players in their backfield like this. Yeah, it's a good point. I totally forgot about Lawrence Maroney, too. Man, was that guy a disappointment? I remember when I I actually, and this is before we were at the point where it's like, you never draft a running back in the first round. But when they drafted Maroney, I was like, whoa, this is going to be something. Like, Brady's going to have <laughs> no. this elite running back. And then it's like, oh, uh, yeah, this guy, it looks like uh, maybe he doesn't care too much about uh, playing football. So yeah. last night, you look at this defense with the first group, it felt like at times they were struggling against the run. And some of the final numbers last season with this team in terms of the run, like this is a really good defense, but that group last season, the Patriots are actually 31st in stuff rate at 13%. So they weren't getting a lot of 
negative runs from their opponent or even stuffed at the line of scrimmage. Do you have concerns that they could struggle in terms of stopping the run? I mean, when Uche's on the field, obviously we know he's right. more of a pass rusher than a run stopper, but we did see this issue. And look, it's it, you don't have everybody out there, so I understand mm-hmm. all that. But would that be one of the concerns you would have about this defense if you have any? It certainly wasn't coming into last night and probably still not a major one. Um, the big factor from last night was that Juwan Bentley wasn't in there and he's just, right. that, that's kind of his calling card is being such a, a thumper there at linebacker. Um, he gets the guys lined up. He's he's that veteran presence who's, Bill Belichick said way earlier this summer that he's going to take on a lot of that communication role from Devin McCourty. So that's where I would say that, you know, I, I think that, Last night might have been kind of an aberration and that they will yeah. be better this season. But like seeing Lawrence Guy pushed around by rookie tight end Luke Musgrave was a shock to me. Like that was not on my, uh, I, I did not see that coming into the game. Um, Josh Uche getting pushed around the run game does make a lot more sense. Uh, where, but at the same time, you're probably just not going to see him on the edge that much this season. Like they've been using Jelani Tavai on the edge. So you might see him on early downs. Anthony Jennings is a really good edge defender on on early downs. I think that you'll see him in there. I think last night was more just about like weird rotations that they were using. And Josh Uche, fantastic pass rusher. He's athletic enough to drop back into coverage. Really good pass def- defender um, just overall. But like he's he's got to be one of the smallest edge defenders in the NFL. Like, if you just see him coming off the, off the field... He kind of looks almost more like a wide receiver than a traditional defensive end. I think he's listed at like 6'2 or 3, 240 pounds. So he's that Von Miller shape, where but Von Miller is just such a special player that he can defend the run really well at that size. Uche, fantastic pass rusher. You wouldn't necessarily want him to change his body type because it might impact him as a pass rusher, but you just don't really want him on the field on early downs defending the run. Yeah, and that's where I think it's going to be a weird situation to figure out, hey, do you want to extend this guy? And if you do right. want to extend this guy, what's the money look like? Because yeah. he really is sort of a pure pass rusher that isn't really going to contribute. You don't want him really to contribute yeah. to the running game because he's not going to be good there. So Keon White obviously didn't play mm-hmm. last night. He was dealing with an injury. But that guy was impressive in the first preseason game. His camp was going pretty well until this injury. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's another one that, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned him because he'll be there on the edge, probably on early downs. Dietrich Wise is really developed as a run defender as well. But yeah, I mean, I, I have I have high hopes for Keon White. It, that's that's a situation where usually I don't love the Patriots taking older players in the draft. Like Keon White's probably like, I think he's like 24, 25, something like that. But there were extenuating circumstances in his career with COVID, and then he missed a season with injury and all those things. But that's a player where I feel like two, three years down the line, you're gonna like people are gonna be asking themselves. How did the Patriots draft a 6'5, 290 pound player who can stand up on the on the edge, runs a 4740? Like, how did this guy fall to the second round? <laughs> and a lot of it is, you know, injury and um, you know, just had kind of a weird college career where he started off as a tight end and moved over to defensive end. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that he's got all the tools in the world to be one of the better defensive ends in the NFL. They just have to develop them for him. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I can't wait to watch him play. The guy's intense, too. I, I love how intense he is. Like, he's he... the helmet during joint practices. Oh, you did? Yeah, was, <laughs> like, it was like during a scrum. We're all standing on the sideline. This Packers helmet just goes flying up in the air. And one of the officials caught it. I was like, what the hell happened there? And then uh, afterwards, someone had posted a video from the practice of Keon White, like, finding a helmet, chucking it up in the air, like 20 feet in the air. So... Yeah, intense guy. I I can't wait to see what he can do on Sundays. Well, I can't wait to see him even more now after knowing that. I mean, geez, (laughs) that's unbelievable. So, hey, Christian Gonzalez, he gets extended time on Saturday night. We were all pumped up about the pick, right? He looks the part. He's massive. He's 89th percentile in height for a corner, which is huge. The broad jump's 95th. The vert is 89th percentile. and Or the vert, rather, is 96th percentile. The 40s in the 89th percentile. Mm -hmm. So, I mean... You look at the guy and he looks like, okay, this could be a shutdown corner in the league for years to come. So in terms of what you've seen from camp and the limited preseason action, how do you think that sort of the measurables match what you've seen in terms of an eye test? Well, I, I you certainly see all those tools on the field. He's very fast, big, um, 
one of the more encouraging things from him, I think even last night was that he's getting physical in there. That was one of the knocks on him. Or one of the reasons why he supposedly fell is that, you know, people said they didn't want to tackle, didn't want to get his hands dirty, but he's been, he's laid the lumber in practice. I think that he had a, a pretty solid tackle, a uh, solid hit last night as well. So you're seeing that the coverage is a little bit spotty at this point, which I think you kind of expect from someone who he turned 21 during spring practices. So he's a very young wow. player. And I think that you just have to know that there's going to be some growing pains with him, that he's going to get by on those traits early in his career. And as he develops his, his technique a little bit better throughout his career, that he will be a better player. So I don't necessarily expect him to be an all pro this season. I think he's got all pro potential in the future, but I do think that there's going to be times where he might take his lumps a little bit and, uh, you know, not to, get to a different point here, but like that might not happen if he has Devin McCordy at free safety. It might happen depending on who's playing free safety for the Patriots this season. I just think that like having that security blanket of Devin McCordy probably would have helped him, especially in this defense. Uh, and we'll just kind of have to see what these safeties are able to do on deep plays because the Patriots have historically been pretty good at preventing deep plays or big plays. And I'm 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 not convinced that's necessarily going to continue and carry on into this year. Well, so who do you think it is? Because we've seen a lot of Jalen Mills. He got picked up on a blitz last night. I know that it, he had the interception in the first game that was just, you know, a terrible throw by C.J. Stroud. Yeah. But overall, how are you feeling about that deep safety position, that free safety? Because obviously you get the big guys. I mean, you got Adrian Phillips, right? Yeah. You have Kyle Duggar. You have Jabril Peppers. You got a lot of thumpers in there. But do you have that guy that can sort of be the for just be a free safety and replace McCourty? Or is this going to be a real issue, you think? Well, I had heard earlier in the summer that the Patriots were expecting a little bit of trial and error during preseason, during these, uh, you know, during oh. training camp, during practice. So I don't, I think that it's honestly even something that could carry on into the season where like they, they're experimenting with guys back there. I think that the intention is to move guys around and show different looks and, and keep quarterbacks confused based on the different alignments in the secondary. But that's a great idea in theory, in practice. If one of those guys is getting mixed around and keeps getting burned, then you've got to stop mixing them in there at free safety. Yeah. I think that there's a possibility there where like you're not looking at very fast safeties like Jabril Peppers. Like you said, these guys, Peppers, Duggar, Phillips, they're better known as being those hybrid linebackers than they are as being free safeties. I think that Jalen Mills uh, has potential there at free safety. Uh, I know that Patriots fans aren't the biggest fan of this guy, but Miles Bryant has has shown some some good instincts back there at free safety. He's a really intelligent player, might not have the speed and range. Uh, maybe you start to see other guys mixed in there as well. But I think that you'll probably see the most of Kyle Duggar and Adrian Phillips just because those are probably your two starting safeties. Right. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Jalen Mills emerges, uh, if if they really start to see really good play out of one particular guy back there, whether it is Mills or Bryant or maybe another cornerback that gets converted. Um, because, I don't know, I love the idea in theory of let's confuse quarterbacks and put a bunch of different guys in different positions in your defense. But if one of those guys can't play free safety, then it's going to be an issue. Yeah, you're not kidding. So we'll see if they can figure that out because it has not looked great, at least in the preseason games that right. we've been able to watch. All right, hey, Doug, before we let you go, a couple of uh, fun ones. Matthew Judon, plus 5,000 on FanDuel to win Defensive Player of the Year. 15 and a half sacks last season, three more than his previous career high, which just so happened to be the year prior with the Patriots. So the trend continues, and he's actually like still late in the season in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation. True or false? I'm not saying three more sacks, right. but he goes up, but maybe he gets to 16 and a half. Um... I could see it. I I do kind of like because he is always in the mix there for defensive player of the year. So so plus five thousand seems like pretty good value. Pretty fair, yeah, good value on those odds there. So, um, I don't I don't know why he keeps fading down down the stretch, but I don't think that there's anything particular about his game. Maybe managing those reps earlier this summer, like they did, maybe that helps him. Maybe that little it wasn't a hold in, but whatever was going on there this summer, maybe that helps him. So yeah, I'll, I'll say that he is more involved and keeps continuing to pile up those sacks late in the year. Okay, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. And if this is going to be like a top five unit, he's got to continue the dominance that he's been playing with. All right, so the Patriots, they were dead last in red zone efficiency last year. We talked about it a lot. They were seventh in 2021. Bill O'Brien will get them in the top 12. True or false? 
top 12. Um, yeah. I went a little, little higher than like top half of the league. That's why I went with the 12 number. I, I'll say yes, just because I think that, you know, Ezekiel Elliott had 12 touchdowns last year. Like he's an effective goal on back. I think that we've seen signs that Hunter Henry could start being more of a, of a red zone threat this season. Um, Demario Douglas, obviously you don't necessarily see undersized slot guys piling up and piling up a lot of touchdowns, but emails move so well in short space. I think they could get him involved as well. So yeah, I'll be optimistic. <laughs> I'll, I'll say yes. And that, you know, the, the signs that they showed in 2021 can return this year. Okay, Hunter Henry's career high in yards per reception, 13.3, which obviously that was a long time ago was his rookie year. This year, he breaks that record. I mean, I think this is me overreacting to him being wide open in the seam last (laughs) night. (laughs) Um, I'll say no on that one, just because I do think that some of those offensive line issues could force the Patriots to, to really focus in on the short areas of the field. Yeah, I just hope that he's really productive in the red zone because we de- yeah. did see that two years ago where, what, eight of his nine touchdowns came in the red zone. Okay, so Fandle has these interesting props where you can get like, so instead of the seven and a half that the Patriots are at, you can get them at the win total over eight and a half at plus 210. Over nine and a half is actually plus 360. But that over eight and a half at plus 210 they won eight games last year, and we can go back and say, yeah, remember what Jacoby Myers did against the Raiders? Remember the fumble against the Cincinnati Bengals? Yeah. Remember all the special teams issues you had in that game against the Minnesota Vikings? That team easily could have won nine games, and quite frankly, they were, they could barely move the ball offensively. And I know the counter argument to this is the schedule is really tough, mm-hmm. right? They're opening up against Philly. They play that division, so they get the Cowboys as well. The Giants were a playoff team, and you get the AFC West, and you have... Two games against the Jets, two against the Dolphins, and two against the Bills. So the Patriots have really struggled against Josh Allen in recent years. But plus 210 to go over eight and a half, I feel like that's really good value. I agree with you because I've always pegged them right around like nine wins this season. So I think that's where I would lean anyway is is above eight and a half. Obviously, like you said, it's a little bit shaky given some of the circumstances this season. But I mean, with the Dolphins, I know that everyone just expects them to be a lot better, but like with Tua Tango Vailoa, you just have no idea what's going to happen right. with him this season. And Mike White is his backup. So, or Skylar Thompson, like one of those guys is going to be his backup this season. Um, so I think that that's a little bit of a tenuous situation. The Jets, everyone expects them to be significantly better with Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers stunk last season and there's no guarantee that he'll be good this year for the Jets. So I, I do. I like that value at uh, over eight and a half wins. All right, my final one, Doug. This may be the most important. Mac was 26th in expected points added per play among quarterbacks last year in 2022. And that can be like more of a team statistic right. than just a quarterback statistic, but it kind of is an indicator of where the team's going to be as well. He was 14th in 2021. So true or false, Mac Jones will be in the top 15 in EPA per play in 2023 among quarterbacks. I would say no um i would between say, 16 and 20 maybe yeah 16 and 20 i would say just because i don't know there's just so much talent at quarterback right now that you know even since 2021 like like jalen hurts emerges you know the you've got uh some of these rookie quarterbacks like who knows what happens with bryce young and anthony richardson uh aaron Rodgers is gonna you know presumably be better than he was last season so i wouldn't put him back in the top 14 i think he's got the potential for it i think he's shown signs of it I'm just not ready yet to say that he's going to take that dramatic step forward again this season, given all the other talent that's that's come into the league and moved around at quarterback since then. All right. That is Doug Kide from the Herald. Doug, thank you so much for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Ton of fun and continued success at the Herald. And hey, man, we're almost there. Enjoy the season. Absolutely. Anytime, Brian. All right, great stuff there from my buddy Doug Kide, man. I can't wait for it. Season is just about here. Obviously, some concerns with the team that we hit on in terms of the free safety situation, which I thought that was a really good point by Doug. The offensive line, that's going to be an issue. But as we were talking about, some positive signs from that preseason game. I felt like despite missing that pass for Hunter Henry, I feel good about where Max at right now. It feels like he is in control of the offense, which 
really, and I'm not blaming this on Mac, he was never really in control of the offense last season. I understand that they tried to change everything and they tried to go to the Shanahan system. Then they decided, hey, we're not going to run the Shanahan system anymore. So it just feels like at least entering the season, they have a really good idea of where they're at. And to something else we talked about is... It's kind of exciting to see these young players. And I know Keon White didn't play, but in the first preseason game, you're thinking to yourself, wow, this guy may be one of the steals of the draft. We've seen a lot of Christian Gonzalez in terms of in both preseason games. He played a lot of snaps. And then you think about the young guys. Demario Douglas, who we talked about, Pop Douglas, is going to have a legitimate role on this team. And Kayshawn Booty, he comes on and he takes the slant to the end zone in the game on Saturday night. So you have all these young guys sort of flashing. It's exciting to see with this Patriots team. And I know we're just in the preseason and we'll see what happens during the regular season, but there's some really good signs from some of the young players on this team. And by the way, as you know, I talked about it on the pod a couple of months back. Doug's daughter is going through something really serious from a medical perspective. So we're going to attach the, in the description, put the GoFundMe page on there. So please, anything you can in terms of helping with Doug and his family, if you can donate, please, that would be Really, really awesome if any of you can. And thanks again to Doug for coming on. I know he's a busy guy right now, juggling everything, especially he has the new job at the Herald as well. Him and Callahan do an outstanding job there. So thanks again to Doug Kide. As always, make sure to get your voicemails in at 617-396-7172. Email your thoughts and questions to offthepike at gmail.com. Thanks to Jamie McClellan and Steve Surdy for producing this podcast, and we'll chat in a couple of days. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1800gambler.net in West Virginia, call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming, hope is here, visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call one 877 8 Hope NY or text Hope NY to 